Hello podcasters, welcome back to another episode of the EJT podcast. I'm glad to be back and speaking to you this week. Um, It feels like ages ago since I recorded the last podcast, but I have been super busy. I have finally finished the kitchen and unfortunately I've had a little bit of an injury which has slowed me down over the past week in terms of getting things done and getting jobs done that I needed to do. Although recording a podcast doesn't really require me to do anything other than speak. But still, it has slowed some processes down. But I listened to my body, I heard what it had to say and I respected what it was asking of me and that was just to stop. I think that all the running that I have been doing, um, along with other things, just twinge something that was maybe sitting there underlying for a little while. But regardless, I'm back, I rested and I am ready to go. So during lockdown, I have been watching a lot of videos on Instagram and I just can't help but think about what and where does the line come in between dance and gymnastics. When does dance stop being dance and enter gymnastics? Because I just can't help but think when I'm watching some of these videos that dance is missing. Like you are missing the whole concept of dance. You are missing the rawness of telling a story or making the audience feel a certain way or the whole reason why we dance. I mean, I am totally respectful to every single art form, skill, whatever that you have got going on. I even teach acrobatics myself in my own school. It's a skill that I hold highly in being valuable to a dancer in today's society. But I always teach my girls that as fantastic as it is to have these tricks and to have these skills, how do you use them in your dance piece? And is it relevant to always use them or is it relevant to even use them at all? Now, when I was younger and I was growing up, the most impressive tricks that I say in inverted commas were a stunning leap and a cracking double pirouette. Now that was as good as what you was getting. Now if you had those two tricks nailed, you were you were ready for the dance world. When did it become mandatory to at least have a walkover of some description, front or back? When did a side aerial become normal? That ain't normal. Like, and it's, totally irrelevant most of the time unless you really want to wow an audience but there's no need for a side aerial there's no need for it everyone can do one it's lost its wow factor now I remember the first time I ever saw a side aerial was in a film called Save the Last Dance now it was about this girl who wanted to go to a ballet school but she had to um, move house to move in with her dad and she ended up having to move school and she had to go to this like total ghetto 
school. She met and fell in love with someone and he taught her how to be all cool and ghetto. Anyway, she auditions for Juilliard, one of the most prestigious schools in New York. And the routine that she does, I mean, 12-year-old me is thinking, babe, you are just the hottest thing on earth. Now I look back at it and think, oh my God, what is she doing? But anyway, she she throws in a side aerial. Now, at the time, I was absolutely flobbergasted. What is this alien force that you have just shown us? That's, that's not, how can she do a cartwheel without putting her hands on the floor? Now, that was impressive, but now everyone can do them. Is it as impressive as what it used to be? I don't know. Is it necessary? I don't know. Is any trick necessary in dance? Does having a trick or does being able to do a trick define you as a good dancer? In my opinion, the answer to that would be no, because I can't do a trick. Now, whether that would jeopardise me getting a job or not, um, I'm not sure. But I wouldn't define being a good dancer as being able to do a fancy flip or a walkover or a side aerial or front aerial or whatever trick but it's necessary. These kids have to learn these things now and it's become part of the evolution of dance, which is great and I think that everything needs to evolve. But is dance losing its art to compromise for that? I mean, I appreciate every skill, like I said, and I am not discouraging being able to do these things because I teach my girls how to do these things so I'm a little bit of a hypocrite talking right now but it just got me thinking when I've been watching all these videos and you see all these young kids and it's just you know a million gazillion pirouettes a couple of turns a la seconde into a side aerial now don't get me wrong that's that is impressive girl I wish I could do that at your age but I didn't connect with you you didn't connect with me I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel inspired to go and put on my dancing shoes and have a dance. So what is it about that use of acrobatics and gymnastics, tricks and flips and tumbles within dance? I don't know. Does it make a routine more impressive? Yes, in some ways. No, in others. I mean, for me, coming from a dance background that had zero acrobatic skills, gymnastic skills. Now, if I wanted to learn how to do anything, I had to I would have had to have gone to a gymnast a specific gymnastics club. My mum was very much like you're either doing this or you're doing that. Which one is it going to be? Because you can't do everything. So I never had that opportunity to learn any sort of gymnastics skill. And I don't regret it by any means. 
But now I'm choreographing for competitions and things like this. They'll say on the score sheets, judges will say, oh, more tricks needed, especially in a hip hop routine, more tricks needed. But it's not necessary. So why is it needed? I'm the choreographer and I'm telling you that it's not necessary. Why is it needed in order for that dance to be better? Yes, it gives it a slight wow factor, but the execution of their choreography and the choreography content stand alone trumps, for me, trumps any trick flip, wrap your leg around your head and then do a backflip move that you can pull. If you can nail a piece of intricate choreography with banging technique, you're a winner. Let's take ballet, right? Ballet has zero gymnastics flips in it whatsoever. No walkovers, no tumbling, no side aerials, no nothing, okay? I mean, ballet was created to tell a story. Now, if you've ever watched a piece of ballet, it is the most impressive thing you will ever watch. I mean, the ballerina will walk. And you're like, your jaw is on the floor, right? The ballerina does a chasse, coupe, and then starts to curu down the stage. And you're like, oh my God, this is the best thing into our arabesque. And oh my God, you do not need to throw in something unnecessary. Let's take a choreographer that is so relevant these days and so relevant today. And that's Paris Goebel. Now she is my oh, she is just my dream. She is amazing. Like her choreography just, I don't know where she gets it from, but you watch it and it's simple. It's, well, it's not simple, but it's simplistic. It's so simplistic and so stylized and so everything None of her dancers throw a backflip. None of her dancers throw an unnecessary trick. Does that mean her choreography is not good enough? Does that mean her pieces are not impressive because they don't have a flip, tumble or trick of some description in it? Paris Goebel um, choreographed for um, a group, a hip hop group called the Royal Family. Now, if you ever get a chance to go and watch them on YouTube, go and watch them. They're just so in sync. I mean, I guess that is the their wow factor. They're so in sync with each other. They are so in time with each other. They are like one. They're like an army of just incredible dancers. And the choreography is so simplistic that it doesn't need anything. It doesn't need any complex anything. The formations, everything about it is just so right. But still, I have kids come to me, Erica, I want to be able to do this. I want to be able to do that. I want to do a backflip. I want to do a back tuck. I want to do a side aerial. Why? Why? That I'm not sure of. That I am still trying to figure out. And I mean, will having these skills potentially mean that you will book the job over somebody else? Probably not, because we are in this era of everyone can do those. Every kid can be able to do these magnificent skills. So you're not going to be the standout one in the room that can do these things. 
Maybe you should be the one in the room that's got the best technique, just saying. Maybe you should be the one in the room that's got an unteachable style that's just got a flair that's that you just can't teach to someone. Maybe you are that dancer in the room that just is so unique that you cannot carbon copy that. Maybe that's what we should be working on. I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, I have one dancer in my studio who has been trying to do a side aerial for literally a matter of years and she's got it and she's been practicing in lockdown and I am so so delighted for her because she has been non-stop trying to get this skill and I'm chuffed I'm so over the moon I think it's fantastic because it shows her determination and work ethic and persistence and willingness to not want to give up on something that she wants to do. But still, I ask the same question. Does that trick, does that flip make you a good dancer? Does it define you as a good dancer? It doesn't define me as a good dancer. Does it define you? Is it necessary? Is it worth your time and energy? Is it worth you slogging to get that skill? Or could you be working on a double pirouette? Could you be working on your leaps? Could you be working on your fuerte turns? Could you be working on your turns a la seconde? But does it define you as a good dancer? So I put out on the EJT Instagram um, if anybody had any questions for me to talk about or answer on the podcast today. So I'm going to answer a couple of those before we finish. Um, The first question was, if you had to categorise yourself, what kind of dancer are you and what style are you best at? Oh my God, I hate this question because I honestly think that I am a jack of all trades dancer. I'm a jack of all trades and master at absolutely none of them. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm really good at I would say I'm 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 better than average. Now I'm getting a big head. Better than average at most styles. And the ones that I'm not that good at, I'm good at bluffing, right? So I wouldn't say that there's a kind of dancer that I am. Some days I'm a tap dancer. Some days I'm a jazz dancer and some days I'm a commercial dancer and some days when I'm really pushing the boat out I'm a ballerina. I am Darcy Bustle but I never feel the same two days in a row. I never feel like the same dancer two days in a row. Maybe that's my training, maybe because I was trained from such a young age to be able to swap my hat whenever I need it and put on a different style and make that style work for me and be trained in every style and be that all-round dancer that was trained in me to to be that way that I don't feel that I can categorize myself I think other people would categorize me in a commercial dance bracket which I would say is up there with the one I feel most comfortable with 
in my body, i.e. choreography that really fits me and the style that really fits me. But I can't, I can't label myself as anything because I genuinely love them all. I feel like if I label myself as a commercial dancer, tap would get really offended and really upset with me. Or like jazz would be really hurt by my betrayal. I can't, I can't do it. The next question is, when you were a teen, what was the first style of dance you properly fell in love with? Now I can tell you this, I can tell you this, this is an easy, easy, easy answer. And it goes back to the last question because the first style of dance that I fell in love with was commercial and it was hip hop. I remember going to one of the very first mover exhibitions in London with Um, a dance school that I was with I was with two dance schools at the time um, and this dance school was um, a dance school that I went to on a Sunday and we went and oh my god I just it just clicked for me like commercial and hip-hop really just made me realize actually that this is what I wanted to do as a career and it didn't make me realize because I always knew but it kind of like cemented in my head that that it was actually possible that I could actually make a job out of this and I don't know if I've told you guys but my ultimate dream was to perform on the Brit Awards obviously haven't done it obviously I'm never gonna do it but that was that was the moment that I realized that I loved that style and I loved dance and that was what I wanted to do and yeah, although I was always trained in all <laughs> genres of dance, let me just be clear on that. The next question um, is a question, oh my God, this question is something I've actually been thinking about all day. Um, how is filming and dancing in the studio without your students? I cannot tell you today how much I've been thinking about how much I miss just being in the studio with my dancers and teaching like this is going to sound really 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 weird but just being in a dancer's face just being like walking when I do that thing where I walk around the room and I'm like nitpicking corrections everybody and then I'll physically change their leg line and I'll grab them and make their posture right and put their arms in the right place and just I'm missing that I'm missing that um being in the studio myself is hard because I actually realized how lazy I had become as a teacher and that you guys had got so good that you no longer needed me to demonstrate so I didn't have to dance as hard as what I maybe have to right now because I have no one to demonstrate. I have got to demonstrate it all and teach it and try and think of the potential mistakes that you might be making. That's one of the hardest things. So in my head, I'm thinking, right, what potential mistakes are going to be made here? What is this person going to do? What is that person going to do? I know that person struggles with putting their weight in the right place. So I'm going to make sure that I have to make a comment about that. I'm going to have to make sure this and I'm going to have to make sure I say that. And that's that's really hard. And 
if you were in the room with me, I would just, I would see it and I would know and I would say it and it would be already done. Um, it's like that trying to anticipate something that's not there, but something that potentially will be there, but I won't be able to see it. So to wrap that answer up, it's naff. I hate it. Don't like it at all. I cannot wait to have all my dancers back in the studio. Today I had a little reflection. I was actually going to put something on Facebook, but I decided not to um, because I think I'd get a bit of mosh. So I didn't. And yeah, I'm I'm dying to get everybody back in the studio. Can't wait to teach like an actual class again, like where I can like stand next to people and like correct them. That I'm really looking forward to. And the last question, which I think needs to be a podcast on its own, um, is tips on mental health as a dancer. Now, I could sit here for another hour and a half and speak to you about tips on mental health as a dancer. Let me just tell you about a few things that I think could be the issues that we could face with our mental health as dancers. Now, as a teacher, I notice different things. And I think as being older, my my issues are completely different to um, a younger dancer's issues. So as I'm teaching, I see a lot of competition between dancers and that's fantastic. But don't let your competition turn into jealousy. Celebrate your friend's successes Celebrate when a fellow dancer accomplishes something and praise them and encourage them and create a positive working environment for them because they will do the same for you. As a dancer, we spend most of our time looking in the mirror. Don't let your brain distort what reflection is coming back to you, whether that be good, bad, ugly whatever that is, do not let your brain distort what image is coming back to you because it's not correct and it's not right. And I'm telling you that now. I could go on, but I'm not going to. Next thing is, I think, relevant just now, motivation, right? If you want it, you've got to work hard for it, no matter the circumstances and no matter what you have just been dealt. Beyonce says, When life hands you lemons, make lemonade. Make some lemonade right now. Use this time. I said this in the last podcast. Use this time wisely and keep motivated. But don't forget to relax and don't forget to enjoy this downtime as well because that is super important. The last thing I'm just going to touch on briefly for this question is um, that pressure that we as dancers put on ourselves, and again I have spoke about this before in the past and not to set your expectations so high don't put pressure on yourself to be great in 24 hours allow yourself to make mistakes that's the only way you're going to learn and take advice oh my god take advice where you need to because that advice and that not criticism but um, feedback and um, constructive pointers 
take them on board and apply them. That's where people go wrong. They don't apply it. I'm telling you to bend your knees. You're still not bending your knees. I'm telling you to relax your ankles. You're still not relaxing your ankles. I'm telling you, if you're struggling, slow down. You still are trying to go at the same speed. Do you understand what I'm saying? So take on board what suggestions or pointers or advice you're being given and make sure that you apply it. And most of all, stay positive and trust that you are amazing and that progress is slow. And, or I put on my Instagram also, um, when I say the word success, what does that mean to you? And the responses I had back were just incredible. Two, a few of them made me cry. But one of the responses was progress. Now, to think about progress as being successful is just the most incredible thing. Think about that. Progress is successful. And any progress you make is one step closer to where you want to be. As long as you keep making those steps, you will be successful. Thank you again for listening to another episode of the EJT podcast. I'm looking forward to speaking to you next week already. I've actually got a really exciting weekend planned in the house. So I'm looking forward to telling you all about that on our next podcast. And have the best week. Look after yourselves. Stay positive. Thank you for all of your support and all of your kind words. I've had so much feedback from the podcast so far and I love hearing it and I love hearing what you have to say and I love seeing all your messages of you taking the dog out and listening to the podcast or having a bath and listening to the podcast. It just makes me so happy. It's so difficult to sit here and record this and not have a clue whether I am, one, making any sense, Two, being relevant to what you think or relevant to how you're feeling or making making you feel motivated and more informed as a dancer or non-dancer. I've had a lot of people who are non-dancers listen to this and talk about how relevant the information and, and the topics are to them and it just makes me so happy. So please share the podcast with anyone you think would be interested and stay in touch. Thank you. Lots of EJT love and I will speak to you next week.